0: I'm Amanda, and this is Not Your Granny's Quilt Show. Hi, welcome to today's episode. Today, my guest is Christina Lee of Sweet Potato Quilts. She is a pattern designer. She's also a music teacher, and she's also local to me. So that's really exciting. Um, She has a great eye for design. She comes up with some really thoughtful and creative patterns and if you join her block of the month membership she creates block patterns that you get once a month and she just has the idea that creativity and curiosity is going to be the key to the future of quilting and I'm with her um, as a former teacher that kind of is ingrained to you like the building curiosity is the key so anyway if you don't know Christina I hope you enjoy this episode we talk a lot about the parallels of quilting and teaching and how we've applied things we've learned from teaching into our quilting and our business ownership and it's just such a fun conversation and I hope you enjoy it go check out patreon.com slash not your granny's quilt show today and get ready for some exclusive content that will be coming your way that is just for patrons that's patreon.com slash not your granny's quilt show. It's so fun though. Like I love listening back and like rehearing the conversations. Cause I think, you know, you get out of a conversation and you're like, oh, that was great. And then it's like, I can't remember any details. And then going back and listening, I'm like, oh yeah, that was really cool. And sometimes I'll take notes of like things that were said and just like to remember. And so it's really fun, but yeah, I, I, I
1: listened to a few and like, I, I, I'm really bad at remembering details too. <laughs> but i remember like the feel and the mood and the vibe of the person mm-hmm. that's how i am with movies i mm-hmm. i don't remember anything about any movie okay i see like even like the plot i don't remember i don't know
0: <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like it was cool but i don't i remember, remember well. if
1: i liked it or i remember if i liked it or not
0: <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah. i'm kind of like that too i'm like it was a great story about some people and they did stuff and i really liked it like okay (laughs) I think that's how people feel when they listen to classical
1: music because Mm -hmm. we I do a concert and I I know like pretty much every note and I like tame every note and every nuance and like every moment of the piece that we play and then I listen to people reflect on what they listen to they don't yeah it's too much to process those details but they remember they enjoyed it so yeah
0: yeah that's
1: yeah, how I like, feel about
0: movies yeah yeah it's kind of funny just like how what how our brains process things and like art and experiences and it is that we do come away at least for me and like I think there is is some psychology behind it but just the idea that we come away more with the feeling that we had from that experience than the exact memories and details and and I think you know, our pasts can inform those feelings, but also just like trying to be in that moment is like really can, can bring that about too. But it's just crazy. Like sometimes the things that like make us feel like really good are things that we can just like leave behind and kind of like walk away from. But then sometimes those are the things we come back to over and over again. Like, I don't know. It's just so interesting. Like thinking about the way we process different things.
1: I think there's so much opportunity for perspective like when you put it into quilting for example you can go into like the details of like every stitch you make Mm -hmm. piece and press everything but then like you can take it out into a wider scale of like how does quilting fit in society how does it fit in my life like I see it like how it fits in my life because sometimes I'm like why am I why am I doing this? I, I'm a full-time teacher. I'm a musician. <laughs> and Why do I make the room for the quilting? But then I learned that like the quilting feeds my teaching. My teaching feeds the quilting, like everything mm-hmm. like goes together. But then there's also a value of like going to the nitty gritty and the small details and finding so much value in that. And then there's everything in between too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. Cause I think you know, when I was teaching and quilting, it was like a a place for me to have a creative outlet when I needed to just expel some energy, but I didn't want to go work out or I didn't want to, you know, it was like something I felt good about doing that I know I was like reasonable at that I could accomplish something. And um, so I think that feeling of like, okay, at least I did this thing right today, you know, it's like... <laughs> Especially, I,
1: what I wish for everyone. I'm sorry, to interrupted you. No,
0: you're fine. You're fine.
1: <laughs> Wait, I I wish like I hope that everyone has something in their life that they're pursuing and learning something mm-hmm. new at, even if they don't feel like they're good at. Because even just the process of finding improvement and learning,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, for me, that's quilting. Because I just started. I think I started quilting in 2018. Okay, right before COVID. Okay and I'm coming off like I have this professional music career which precedes that and that's something that I've pursued since I was in grade school because I think in high school I decided I wanted to be a musician and right when you make that decision you decide you know like how unstable of a career it is (laughs) yeah how competitive like the people uh, the people mentoring you tell you the truth so right you, i think i consciously decided like that's something i'm going to make my life and work really hard for and then it's it's something you go into because you enjoy music and you enjoy like the company of coming together and making something bigger than yourself mm-hmm. but then when you make that decision of i want this to be my career that perspective it changes because now you're competing with other people. Now you are wanting to be perfect. Now you're wanting like you're putting that pressure on yourself. So there's mm-hmm. always that balance of like still doing what you enjoy and having moments of not enjoying it because you, you want to make a life out of it too. Mm-hmm. So there's just so much perspective to that. And I think quilting for me is like a fresh beginning to something I enjoy and then turning into a business because I think I learned a lot of mistakes from my music career, (laughs) right? (laughs) And And it's,
0: it's fun to try again with something new, (laughs) with something new. Yeah. Well, and it's still creative, you know, it's a, it's a different avenue of creativity, but it's still there. Like you're still communicating your ideas through a different medium. And it's, it's like so fun, the parallels of different things. Cause I thought who the heck. Would think that like a teacher going to quilter, but there is so many skills. Like you have to be able to read directions really well, and you have to be able to like understand what's being asked in the math. Like <laughs> oh I'm like, okay, quilt math is a whole. It needs to be its own genre of math because yeah. it's fractions and arithmetic, but it's still harder than anything I've ever done.
1: <laughs> I mean, imagine like we've been quilting for. we're comfortable with quilting at this point but like imagine for the beginner yeah like starting, what do you need to buy what fabric what pattern following the pattern and understanding the pattern like when I started quilting I didn't even want to look at the pattern I just wanted to sew fabrics because I couldn't like I didn't even have space in my mind to read (laughs) yeah I just wanted to figure it out and I I didn't even want to bind like and basting no I just saw like a five minute YouTube of you know baste it inside out and then turn it right side out
0: what
1: yeah you can layer it uh-huh. and just stitch on the outside and leave a gap oh and then turn it right side out and then top stitch it close okay that sounds good to me
0: you're like <laughs> all right I'll do it
1: <laughs> there was no- quarter inch seam or anything so I mean I feel like I hope in this community there's room to you know welcome and you know let people do it that way and there's room for people at whatever stage they're in and acceptance
0: for that so yes. if you make quotes that way great yeah. <laughs> yeah do it we don't care we just want I you in that. our yeah <laughs> yeah I, I mean I say it all the time probably almost every episode like this is a safe space like <laughs> you can quilt how you want to quilt and I will not judge you like I just love that people are playing with fabric and finding ways that they can use it to express themselves and it brings them joy and that's all that matters to me like I I I do understand why people want to preserve the traditional ways and they don't want to lose that history. And I totally get that. And I fully respect that, but I also ask for the full respect that some people can't do that. And they want to engage with fabric and quilting in a way that makes sense for their life and their experiences. And you have to make room for that too. So yeah, I'm, I'm here for an open, open of letting everybody approach it how they want
1: <laughs> I love that exactly how I feel so
0: yeah <laughs> well that's like that's nice I think you know mostly everybody I've talked to has been that way too it's like we all just want a space where people can explore how they want to and it it is an art like it is an art and you know sure there's techniques and there's things like you know quarter inch seam and just the different things there's rules, but I think there's also ways to break those rules that make things a little more accessible to people. But also I think when you learn the rules, then you know why and how you can break them to do things a little differently if you want to. And so not saying you have to learn all the rules, but when you know them, it's a little easier to understand why and how things are working and, but you know, do what you want to do. I don't care. (laughs) exactly (laughs) so and I think that's like a teacher mindset too like I want you to know the rules but then if you can find a way to make it work for you then that's great (laughs) like
1: (laughs) just don't hurt other people
0: (laughs) exactly like just don't hurt others or yourself and we're fine yeah and that's really the rule the rule is just be kind to yourself and to other people in the process and that's we can all get along and figure it out together. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: So, how long have you been teaching? Um,
1: I've been. Oh gosh, I started twenty twelve. How many is that? Eleven. This will be my twelfth year. I'm going to start. Okay. Um, I, I did my or I'm. If you're into music, I'm tra- certified in orphan and Kodai, which is not available in Idaho. I've oh. traveled outside of state over six summers for two weeks at a time to get oh to this training and I can't imagine teaching without it anymore so really one thing about ORF I'll talk about ORF because it's really um it's really centered on improvisation and it's student it's child centered based on their play and imagination mm-hmm. so the teacher breaks down the elements of music to set up parameters for the children to play and essentially make up their own music that are expressive to who they are so essentially me as a teacher what my idea of what good music is like I can guide them but like they're making the rules for the music that they want to make as long as I like set up the parameters for them so there's of so rules for improvisation and like I read on on quilting improvisation and okay. like that literally you could replace the word quilt with music
0: uh-huh.
1: it's the same same okay and like I read that book and I was getting goosebumps because like quilting and music are like coming together for me yeah so I I got the idea of like breaking down components of quilting like once people understand how to make and trim half square triangles flying geese mm-hmm. all the ways you know at some point you've mastered the four at a time eight at a time two at a time
0: mm-hmm. you
1: you know how to like do your piecing techniques like is there a way that you can essentially just plan and make your own blocks but you don't have to write the pattern
0: right
1: so I I want to figure out if quilters can just be given the tools that they would need to just make the quotes that they want Mm
0: -hmm.
1: same as music like I'm giving my students the tools to make the quote make the make the music that they want to (laughs) make yeah um so I'm starting it with my my membership block of the month there's a I write block patterns that they get once a month and they can mix and match the blocks okay so I I just want quilters to at least have the choice in their design, like which blocks do you want to put together? Yeah. And they can discover like a new pattern that I I didn't even think of using the blocks that I've given them. So they're essentially just making what they choose to make. And I yeah. I felt for a long time like the quilt patterns there is so much choice in the fabric you make and the colorways you can Do, but like when it comes to making following the instructions and making the quilt that's on the cover,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the idea to me feels a little bit restricting. So I just want to add that choice.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Potentially make a quilt that I haven't thought of, but I wrote the pattern for you.
0: (laughs) Right. No, I love that. I love that because I think there are people who want to, they want to come up with something new and different. And you know you can like you said you can have different choices in the fabrics and the colorway and sometimes you can even modify the pattern a little to be slightly different if you want it to appear that way but to have a choice in in the different blocks and like you could essentially go out yourself and like find different blocks that have the same finished size and maybe piece them together but the fact that you're just like giving that i mean obviously it's a membership but you're like here you go do what you want with this like it is kind of setting up those parameters. Like you were saying with the music and I taught um, inquiry, like our, my school was inquiry based. And so it's the same thing. Like you set up the guardrails so that they don't fly off the cliff with craziness, but then you let them go. And, and I think there's something to be said for that. Like it keeps people's like curiosity and creativity alive. And curiosity, I think is really at the core of all of it. And That nature of play is so important. If you start feeling like you're just going through the motions and you're not playing anymore, I think that's when people get bored and they start losing their passion for something. But if you can keep them curious or keep them, you know, guessing or trying new things, and I love that, like, you're having a hand in that because I, you know, as a fellow teacher, it's just like, that's so important. That curiosity is everything
1: yeah yeah that's I mean no I this thing about quilting that I always think of like and no shade to pattern designers because mm-hmm. I'm one myself yeah right <laughs> I think, yeah, but like isn't it the idea to me of like people are pursuing quilting out of their daily life as a creative outlet mm-hmm. to essentially follow instructions right I know. it seems like a weird idea so I'm like I th- I just want to, my curiosity fits in, like, how can I get rid of that for yeah. the
0: people? Yeah. Um, and like, oh. <laughs> yeah, well, and just like we were saying before, like, there's room for everybody. So if you, if it does feel satisfying to follow someone's directions that they've written out for you, which I love, I love following a good pattern because my brain doesn't necessarily work in the way that, like, it's harder for me to think of Pattern myself than it is for me to like follow and then modify as I go or to make certain things like maybe different in the process if I want to. But my mom is the opposite. She can just like see a bunch of fabric and she'll just like whip something up. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, she's great. She's fantastic. So it's like really great energy to be around. And it has like encouraged me to be a lot bolder in different things. But, but yeah, just like having something for everybody. And I think. You know, you're offering both sides of the coin. You're saying, here's some ready made patterns if that's what you want, but also here's a way that you can play and explore and go down this, you know, not well worn path, like, and explore this with me.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's really (laughs) fun. That's so fun. I just. I keep coming back to teaching, but it is just so relevant. Like, I, I know, right? <laughs> I I just think like there's so much expectation. There's so many things that like we beat ourselves down in the process. And I saw it in school, like by eight, by eight and nine years old, kids were hating school because of all the testing and all these like rigorous things that they'd have to do that ultimately didn't really decide how well they were going to do out in the real world. If that makes sense, like you will never look at your ISATs again and nobody cares. Like, I don't, I never cared. You know what I mean? Like I wanted my kids to do well for their own success, but anyway, so it's like, we're killing the joy of these kids by the time they're nine years old. And we expect people to go out and just want to be creative and let loose and do all these fun things. But it's like, we've, as a society, conditioned people to like not have fun anymore, to not be curious, to not ask questions, to not play. And like, as much as the school system I was in was trying to kind of counter that with the inquiry model. And, you know, it was, um, I don't know if you're aware or know of the IB International Baccalaureate. So that's what my school was. And I, you know, I loved the IB and and I still do. And I think there's some merit to it. It is a little bit elitist, I think, in some ways, which I didn't love. But I think what my school was trying to do was make it more accessible to everybody. That's why we kept it public and free to enroll. And, you know, we did the lottery system because it wasn't a neighborhood school in the traditional thing. But anyway, um,
1: it's so hard because like, I think that's also kind of like the, the balance i was talking about before because yeah. like there is a need to definitely like make learning engaging and fun and keep it that way for the kids mm-hmm. but oh there is a little bit of value to like are the teachers doing a good job sure but so, like Absolutely. but then like the question i think is the holy grail is like how do you measure that
0: mm-hmm.
1: because in teaching no one can know but the teacher because every teacher has their own set of kids Mm-hmm. with their own set of characteristics and so like the way to measure it should be personalized for every single class and every single student which is really impossible yeah so like we're just society is just getting away with a blanket way of measurement, mm-hmm. which is not really true which I mean in some ways it's necessary but it's not effective and true
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it just it feels forced and fake and like, yeah, anyway, so we're just like, yeah. as a society, killing people's love and curiosity, you know, love for learning and curiosity. And I was reading something it might've been about, or might've been from, um, <sighs> Dr. Nicole LaPera. She's on Instagram as the holistic psychologist, but oh. she, I think she was talking about how like play and the freedom to let go is like so hard for people because people become so hypervigilant because they maybe don't have any like big T traumas, but maybe they just have experienced like micro trauma over their lifetime. And so they just become so hypervigilant that they can't even let go enough to relax, to be curious, to play. And I think that is another plague in our of our society that like we're not really addressing that people get so serious and they they kind of scoff at anybody who has any childlike qualities or tendencies because they can't imagine themselves being able to let go or being able to relax like that and it's just like so sad that we're just like (laughs) that that's like the foundation of being adults is that you have to be so serious and that you have to take everything seriously and you can't really play or have fun and that's for kids and um yeah I
1: know I think it's oh
0: it's so sad I know it is so (laughs) sad
1: we need to make a living and pay the bills but like I don't know I know I don't know at what cost I know it's so hard yeah I think that's why um, in my own mindset during the school year it's like I don't have that much time to quilt because mm-hmm. I'm tired when I get home so I always think of the summer break like oh when summer hits I'm gonna get so much done for my business mm-hmm. and then when summer break comes yeah. I, I, I need to relax I can't I don't want to. You're like <laughs> I just need to play I just need to lay down can I lay down? <laughs> so I'm learning that that was my lesson this summer is like don't count on the summer break to get stuff done just yeah. like don't plan on it so I'm just I've just accepted that whatever I get done during this school year when it comes to quilting is what I'll get done yeah I won't expect any more for the summer and that is what it is
0: yeah
1: in a way I I don't want to think of my teaching job as getting in the way of quilting. Mm-hmm. So that's my own personal obstacle. Like I feel like it stunts my growth mm-hmm. as a quilter. Yeah. but um i I need to what you're saying about the joy in the kids, like that's all worth it to me because i mm-hmm. they feed me joy, yeah,
0: yeah. I feel and like I, I these- learn
1: from them the most.
0: Yeah, honestly, and if you still have that, if that's still in you to, like, show up for them every day, then, like, I say go for it because they do need people who can show up for them. And, like, I think that is an area where I did and still can tend to do kind of beat myself up a little over leaving teaching of, like, and I know it's, like, a, it's, like, kind of, like, a capitalistic, like, you know, guilt tactic of like, just think about the kids. And like, it's a, it's a education, you know, it's like a a way that they use gaslighting almost or like manipulation to keep teachers in their place kind of, of like, no, what about the kids? Well, what about the kids? And I'm like, yeah, but what about me? Like, what if I'm, what if my inner child is not okay? What if I'm not okay? Like, and I keep showing up to these kids in this, this mess that I am, like, I'm not doing them any good and I'm not doing me any good. But then it's like, that guilt is still there that like, I'm just leaving them. Like I'm leaving the kids. And it's like, they didn't, you know, it's like those, those kids who would have been my students, they don't really know who I am. And it's not necessarily any impact to them per se, but like, you know, I just, because I was in the same school for so long and like, you know, eight years in the same grade level. Like I saw a lot of siblings and worked with some of the same families a lot. And, you know, some of them, I was like, okay, I got the last one through. Like, I won't be missing out on their kids. Like, it was just kind of like calculating all these silly things, but it's like, it is about the kids, but it's also, if we can't show up as whole people who feel good about what we're doing every day, and it's not going to be every single day, but then you're just doing a disservice to yourself and to the kids. Because if I'm always angry and like taking out on them and not doing my best because I just don't have the capacity, like.
1: Absolutely. It's okay to be, it's okay to be selfish yeah, and to fill your bucket first so that you can share with others. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Show up with a full bucket and then they, they reciprocate double back. I yeah. swear. Can I share with you something? Yes, please do. Um, I'm so I, as a teacher, sorry, we do so much teaching talk, but <laughs> we, I'm setting up my classroom right now and I hate, oh. do- I hate doing bulletin boards.
0: Yeah, they're awful. So, <laughs>
1: they're <laughs> I this, I'm going to make some useful, um, make the space useful. So instead of a bulletin board, I've stapled, I'm stapling a background fabric uh-huh. to it. And I did this last year. Um, I had a background fabric and at the end of each music class I had like just different shapes of applique fabric mm-hmm. and the kids can pick a piece and then just place it where they want on the fabric and I eventually quilted it all together and uh it yeah at the moment I staple it to the board
0: <laughs> You're right yeah that's
1: how much time I have <laughs> you gotta
0: just keep it on there it's fine yeah.
1: and then we ended up with the quilt that the kids were so proud of Oh my gosh. I have to show you the neck, the second quilt I made, I let, I made applique squares with the mm-hmm. applique uh, glued onto the back of the fabric. Each grade level had a different color. So we essentially with the sixth grades, we had the rainbow.
0: Yeah.
1: I gave one to each of the students to draw a shape on the back and then to cut out. So yeah. they had to choose their own shape and place it on the fabric. And like the things that the kids do, it's amazing to see what they do based on what you tell them, because first you need to explain to them what a polygon is, because <laughs> if you draw a stick figure and try to cut that out. That's not going to transfer. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I had, I had this really artistic, like fifth grader draw like a face, someone's face. I forgot who it was. It could have been, oh I think God. it looked like Bob Ross. All uh-huh. his face and his hair. He did okay. every single strand of hair, like the curly, everything. He drew oh the. But you know, when you cut it out, it's going to look like a potato. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you drew inside, it's not going to show. So, like all that feedback on what you taught them about applique <laughs> it just yeah. comes back to you and you just laugh yeah. you have like chickens with chicken feet yeah you're like you have to cut off your legs because those chicken feet aren't gonna make it on the quilt. and let me show you <laughs> can I show you something yeah. An example of someone drew please do someone drew brought it up it was a second grader drew a shark oh my gosh it's, this leaves a shark we're gonna put a shark on the quilt and it looked exactly like this. I didn't know I didn't know a <gasps> shark looked like that. So, mm. okay.
0: mm. yeah, <laughs> you're like, um, I don't know if we can put that on there. I put it on there because it's a shark.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's good. I like that.
1: Um, but you know the kindergartners, they can draw, and I'll I'll cut it. Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I cut for them. Yeah. But older grades, they can draw and cut their own. But it's just so amazing. Like you try to teach something, and you get the feedback from your own teaching.
0: Yeah, you're like, oh, I did not do a good job at that.
1: <laughs> That's non-communication. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, even with the failing moments, mm-hmm. like it's entertaining.
0: It really is, honestly. Like that was like, even though it'd be like kind of frustrating at times, one of my most favorite things was just like seeing what came out of, you know, my teaching and seeing what they gave back to me from it. And then I could go, Oh, dang, like, I really need to fix this, like misconception or whatever I said, like did not translate. And, and when I think too, when teachers can take that on themselves and say, I didn't do a very good job explaining this. So I think we need to revisit this. It takes all the pressure off the kids. And then you're not making them feel stupid. Like, Oh, you failed this test. It's like, yeah. But if your kids are failing, it's because you didn't do a good job. <laughs> like it's not them. Like, yeah. And that, that mindset is helpful too, because even in quilting, cause I'm like, <clears throat> if I get frustrated or something's not going right, I'm like, okay, what am I doing? Like, I have to take a step back and practice that stepping back and reflecting. And I think some people miss that, you know, in, however they get to where they're at, like it's built into teaching. You have to be a good self-reflector and understand why and how things went the way they went. And, you know, I mean, they force you to write personal reflections on your lessons and when you get observations and whatever. But I think just having that built into how I think about things really helps especially Absolutely. when I'm trying to read a pattern or trying to figure out a quilt or and learn a new technique, I can be like, okay, this isn't working. A machine is just a machine. Like I'm clearly doing something wrong. It's like, I don't know that just like helps. And it's so funny. Like you're saying you get, you get the feedback of what you taught or what you put out there by looking at what's going on around you. And it's like, whether they come up with a penis shark or a Bob Ross face, like, hmm, maybe I didn't make myself clear. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and like, that's part of being
1: human, which I think we subconsciously try to avoid being, because what, what's important about being human is like creating meaning with all of our experiences. Yes. And like, I, that's why I so strongly believe it's important to always have something that you're learning at in your life Mm -hmm. because imagine like starting learning something and just automatically being good at it like sure you're good at it but like there's no value to your experience
0: right because you didn't have to try you don't have to struggle
1: it's less meaningful so like
0: Mm -hmm. that's
1: that's why like quilting I'm making all the mistakes teaching making all
0: the mistakes but that's what makes it so interesting and fun right exactly and then you remember those lessons because you've you've had to figure out how to make, how to fix that mistake. And it's the same thing in teaching. Like you tell your kids, like, it's okay if you make mistakes. Cause that's how we learn. Like you don't learn unless you try something. And if you already know something, that's great. But like, you're not growing if you're not trying something different with it. Like, Absolutely. and it's the same way with quilting. Like, okay, if you can make a half square triangle with precision every single time awesome but what else can you do like (laughs) yeah so
1: yeah I mean the reason why I started first started quilting was like I needed something like puzzle like Mm -hmm. and I just thought quilting might be a good fit and because like I'm I'm actually I'm really an introvert and I teaching is too stimulating Music is too stimulating. Like you have to like socialize to, yeah, yeah. So I need to. I spend all my home time decompressing and like I have conversations running in my head from the day. So like, did I say the right thing? Yeah. Right. Was that okay? Like, why am I still thinking about this? So that's why I did that. And I've learned, and through quilting and giving myself that time to reflect, I've learned that like. The problems I had with teaching with like coworkers and stuff, I think for me personally, it's not the students at all or the parents, families. Like, there's a lot of politics involved in the, in the teaching inside the building, but like, I realized like I need to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, it, I need to set boundaries. I need to learn how to set boundaries. And like, I need to be okay standing my ground and saying what's right and what mm-hmm. I believe in even if it's not even if it's not going to make other people happy yeah oh so I and that's that's just a general life lesson like I I'm I'm learning now how not to people please like I don't <laughs> say what you want to hear like I it's okay for me to say how I believe like I know I'm not disrespecting anyone I just know what I know is right yeah and I'll stand up for what I believe is right mm-hmm. and open to being corrected. If you have, I'll listen to your side too.
0: Yeah.
1: Like I'm always open to listening as well, but like I'm learning that
0: I've learned by saying things. How does this have to do with quilting? Is this okay? Yeah, this is perfect because it oh, does have to do with quilting and I'll, I'll tie it together. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> I am learning by saying things that like, a lot of people get upset Mm -hmm. and that has nothing to do with me but like a lot of and then okay I'm having this weird like uh series of moments happening to me because a few weeks ago I was working at a music festival and I was staying at this host family's home Mm -hmm. and this this guy was this old older gentleman was and his wife were hosting me and he's a successful at real estate and Mm -hmm. interested in my life and so his advice from his experience is saying there's a lot of people who are not willing and able to listen to truth Mm -hmm. and to oh my gosh I think I might be going
0: into a hole no, you're fine. <laughs> it's like no, this is perfect. I love a this. A lot of
1: people cannot handle truth. And when it mm-hmm. comes to work, like it's okay to not get along with everybody. Yeah. It's not you. And just learn quickly as soon as you can who to who to avoid or yeah. like not avoid and be mean to, but like keep your mental distance from. Yeah. I'm learning too late. No.
0: It's- I, that was a huge struggle for me in teaching too is like finding that balance of like working with people but not like giving them all of me because I like I'm also a recovering people pleaser and it is so hard for me to not just be like okay and go with the flow and just do and be whoever people want me to be or I think that they want me to be and this does tighter quilting because especially as a business owner there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions. And just like we were saying before, we want this to be an open space where people can approach this how they want and in the way that makes sense for their life, because not everybody has the same capacity or the same time or the same budget. And so, but as a business owner, you have to have boundaries. Yeah. And you have to be able to tell people no or say, I can't make that for you. Or, I can't make it in the budget that you have. And I'm sorry. And like, I mean, it's not nearly as bad. Like the experiences I've had have been like so, so mild compared to like the way I've been treated, like working retail and working in coffee shops and whatever. But, but like you're saying that boundary of keep protecting yourself and saying, knowing what you will and won't do. And I, I think the idea of boundaries is people are saying, like, I think people think a boundary is telling other people how to act, but really it's you knowing how you will and won't behave or what you will and won't do. And that's it. And so, if somebody's doing something that you don't like and you don't want to be around, and it violates a boundary, then you say, "I'm removing myself from the situation because I I no longer participate in this kind of behavior," and you leave or whatever the situation is. And it's hard as fuck. So, sorry, I don't know if you're a cusser, <laughs> but I'm a cusser, so it comes <laughs> out sometimes. But um, so it's it's really hard, and I so I can like a hundred percent empathize with you, like knowing that struggle and. But it does, like, with quilting, with someone saying, like, I don't like the way you sewed that together. It's like, all right, Brenda, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to change it for you, you know? It's like, unless my quilt is hanging in a show to be judged by those judges, like, I don't want your opinion. Just tell me you like it and move on, you know? And same with, I'm sure it's the same with writing patterns. Like, people might be like, well, I wish you would have done this. And you're like, awesome, you do it then. Like, (laughs) And not in those words per se, but it's just kind of, you almost have to have that. Like, I don't, I I I've brought it up before, but this, uh, Vivian K. she's like an entrepreneur and like a business speaker, but she always, she literally trademarked the phrase, what would Chad do? And it's like, do stuff with the audacity of a mediocre white man. Like, yes, Chad's wouldn't deal with it. Like, so you don't have to, just cause you're a woman and a quilter doesn't mean you have to let people push you around. Like, My prices are the way they are because I would like to get paid at the end of the day. And if I only charge what you want to pay me, I'll never make enough money. And yes, I have a business that I intend to make money from. So like things have to be a certain way. Like it's not free. My time isn't free. My value is not free. Like I'm way more valuable than that. And like knowing those things especially as a people pleaser is so hard.
1: Yes, So, so hard. And it translates
0: from teaching. It doesn't matter what environment you're in. If you have that mindset that you have to chameleon yourself to fit in, to make people like you, so you don't get rejected. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're, where you're at. It's going to come out. If you don't address it, if you don't understand it about yourself and know what triggers it. And be Absolutely. able to start putting those boundaries in place,
1: yeah, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lesson I learned from uh, my music career transition, not transition because I still have my music career, but starting my quilting career, yeah is in music, I was at a place like teenager, you know, from mm-hmm. I came from a strict household, so like I learned i I pursued music as someone who obeys and does what my teacher says, ple- people pleasing. Mm-hmm. And also as very um male dominated and with lots of popularity, like, oh uh, so, so hard to say this. But I I decided when I entered quilting, I'm gonna I'm gonna step in like a white mediocre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna believe that I am. I am deserving of success. Yeah. And I'm going to act that way. And like, it's not like I'm successful. Like when I began the, I didn't have any success yet, but I'm going to act like it. Right. And it, it was such an exercise, like a mental exercise, but it's, I learned a lot from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah and by doing it like there was imposter syndrome and all of that but mm-hmm. like when the success comes you then you realize like that really was me the whole time yeah like yeah. i was truly capable of all of this from the beginning mm-hmm. so like i think sometimes you just need that mindset just to start and yep. just discover what you have potentially inside of you and like yes it's, this is a business there's competition but like when I see other other businesses other quilters other pattern designers succeeding I'm like so happy for them because like from what I went through like I know exactly what work it took for them
0: to get there exactly like good for you yeah yeah well and I was just talking I actually just talked to Kelsey of White Rose Designs because I'm like working my way through the socialites um (laughs) um But she was saying the same thing, like, I mean, it can seem from the outside, like there might be competition or like it might be competitive, but really like we're back here behind the scenes, like clapping for each other and cheering each other on and like rooting for each other because we want each other to be successful. And like, we're building these communities within the quilt community to like perpetuate that idea of like, no, we don't have to be in competition with each other. We can actually lift each other up and carry each other so that we can all be successful. And I think when we come at it from that idea, like then there is room for everybody. And maybe there's not going to be like two or three people who have all the money, like society is built, but we can create a system where we can all share and we can all be successful. And like, everybody's ideas have space you know it's like as long as people keep coming up with ideas that means that there's room for those ideas to be shared and there's no cap on like oh all the ideas have been had you can't make anything new it's like that's not true
1: (laughs) i know right i feel like people sometimes there's conversation of like patterns being copied and redone but like even with like half square triangles flying geese like, there's, yeah, but, like, there's such an unlimited way of how you can work them. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, music. Yeah. Because you still have the the 12-note scale. No, it's a tw- eight-note scale. <laughs> 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 Our four main chords, you know, pop music uses the same chordal structure everywhere. And, like, mm-hmm. you just come up with the different lyrics, different mm-hmm. instruments. There's so many ways to manipulate the same tools. Yeah. It's like, yeah literally I feel it's unlimited no you can't you can copy but like there's so like the possibilities are endless and I can't I can't wait to see like what quilting is gonna look like 10 years from now like I'm so excited to see like what people are gonna do
0: yeah (laughs) yeah like I'm already blown away with you know just in the last six years of being a quilter like all the things I've learned since I started I'm just like I cannot even believe like how much I know now and how much cool stuff is out there and how much more people have brought to the table and how, you know, it has become this whole thing. Like it's a, I know it's always been there and it's always been a thing, but I like the way it is in, in, in society now and in culture now, it's like, it's being brought to a forefront where it was kind of like, oh, that's a granny thing behind the scenes. Like, oh, old ladies do that in back, back rooms of churches. It's like, no, we're going to be out loud about it. We're going to make quilt coats and we're going to make tote bags. We're going to make, we're going to be handmade bitches everywhere. Like, and I'm loving that because I think like because of social media and it has its drawbacks, but like the positive thing about it is that it's brought to light all these things that people have done behind closed doors for so long. And they thought nobody wants to see that Poor shit. Yes, we do. We want to see it like show it like you're not just a quilter. You're not just a crocheter. like you're making those things with your hands. Like You're not just going to the store and buying it out of convenience. Like you're taking the time to think through this process, to gather the supplies and materials, to learn how, and to produce this thing that maybe it's not perfect, but you made it like that's like bonkers to me. And I love to see that. And I love to see the celebration around it because I think as competitive as it can seem or feel like sometimes you're like, oh no, all these people are making millions of quilts and I need to keep up. You don't have to, it's okay. That's what content creation does. It like makes it seem like people are sewing a lot more than they actually are. (laughs) But like, there's just so much out there to encourage people to just jump in and try when maybe they'd be like, oh, I can't do that. That's not for me. No, it is for you. It's for everybody. Like just find the quilter or the sewist that speaks to you and follow them because there's a lot of us out here and you will find your people. Like, it's just so exciting.
1: (laughs) it's been so much fun I mean I remember when I started quilting I was telling my friends like you're quilting <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now they see my quilts and they're like I want one
0: right I know thankfully my best friend's quilt so I don't have to like feel the pressure too much but now <laughs> like we just make quilts for all of our other friends and we're like oh you're having a baby like we'll just whip out a quilt really fast Or like oh you're getting married we'll whip out a quilt really fast it's like <laughs> That's amazing. yeah yeah <laughs> it's they're the ones who forced me into, even though my mom's like been sewing and whatever her whole life and it's always been around like i didn't learn how to really sew and quilt until my my best friends were like sit down shut up we're making a quilt like <laughs> that's <laughs> were awesome. nicer yeah they were way way nicer than that but essentially they were just like you're going to do this just try one we'll help you with everything we'll you know we'll help you pick out your fabrics we'll help you with the pattern we'll help you cut the fabric like I did everything, but they were like stepping me through everything. And I was like, okay, I'm in. You win. You got me.
1: (laughs) I love that time you spend together because making lots of quilts, that's hours of time together.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Honestly. And it's like, so good.
1: Yeah. Uh, I will say like the, the socialites, that we're, we're I'm working with this year, yeah. they're also amazing at what they do and they're all such nice people. Yeah. So like I'm like, you're amazing. You're amazing. Yeah. And like it's been so nice like getting out of my own little bubble of a world and yeah. like pursuing something, and then meeting like people who are really good at what they do. And then they're also amazing people. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, yeah it's
0: been so worth it that's oh. so good that's so cool and like when I saw that you were a socialite and I was like oh my gosh like she's local like me like to me and this is like so exciting and because I think I started following you from my long arming page like probably like two years ago now and um I was like oh my god she's in Boise like this is crazy and it was just like so exciting to see that because you know why didn't you say hi I think (laughs) maybe did like I don't know no it's fine like I think it's funny it's just like I think sometimes too like I'll get messages from people sometimes and I'm like oh my gosh that's so great and I'll like respond in my head and then I don't ever I don't go back to it for like ever and it's not just me (laughs) no oh my god no I'm like so bad at it and I feel bad I'm like I'm sorry I try like try to comment with you know talk to people online but I'm like trying to do everything because it's like just me and my mom you know really and I do all the social media like I obviously do this podcast and like um you know my mom and I are constantly making quilts for people and long arming and all this stuff so it's like
1: okay so it's if your mom's a quilter uh, it was your friends that taught you to quilt
0: yeah oh (laughs) like I've, I've known how to like sew I could so like I could hem curtains and like little basic things like that but I had so much anxiety as a kid and I didn't know it at the time obviously but now looking back I'm like oh I get. she would get frustrated with me and I would get so frustrated and I think that was born out of that anxiety of like breaking her machine oh. or doing something wrong like And that's that people pleasing. Like, I didn't want to make her mad or like upset her by ruining her machine. And so, cause she sewed all the time. And I was like, if I break this, like, that's like her happy space is sewing. And so I could not be responsible for being the one that ruined that. And so I think out of (laughs) self-preservation,
1: That's I just so like, true. There's added pressure when you do stuff with your parents. Like I have musician friends with kids and they're like, I don't teach my kids how to play the music. No, they, they get other music teachers.
0: Right. Which I think violin. is so important because I think there's things you can, if your kid shows interest in the thing you're interested in, I think unless they're asking, mm-hmm. unless you have the like patience to teach them because teaching kids, as you know, as we know, as teachers, it's Can be hard because they don't just get it right away. And like something that you just do automatically because you've built the muscle memory for it or you've built the skill that you just don't have to think about it anymore. Like that kid is starting brand new, they don't know anything. And so it's hard. Like I, and I did read somewhere too, like if you stay in the same grade level or you stay teaching the same content for too long, you start to forget what it's like to be in the shoes of your students. And so It like almost makes you a worse teacher for having stayed so long, but like learning new techniques and learn, like, I think music is maybe different because there is so much to learn. You're not just teaching the same set of like standards all the time. If that makes sense. Like I'm not, you're not teaching the same exact mathematics every single year to the same. It's like, I don't know. I teach
1: the same standards, but I can mix it up with different music.
0: Right. Whereas in a, in a grade level, you've got the same content. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like I'm teaching about not, like multiplication again. And there's, you know, the, the problem solving techniques, but like, it's the same stuff all the time. And yeah, you do. I, for me, I, it resonated because I was like, Oh, right. I get frustrated. Cause I'm like, why aren't they getting it? When I'm like, I've been a third grader nine times, you know, <laughs> like, And I'm the expert. And so of course it's easy for me because I've worked really hard to be the expert and not be the, the novice. But anyway, I don't know where I was going with all that. Mm, Oh yeah. Like, so I think if your kid expresses interest in your hobby, it's, it will behoove you unless you have the patience of a saint to get a different teacher for your kid to allow some other expert in the field to teach them. Cause I think, your kids just want to please you. And if they're messing up, they're going to be more stressed about stressing you out than learning the thing.
1: Oh, that's so true.
0: So, I mean, and coming, I think, you know, I love my parents and I know their strictness came from, they just love us kids and they wanted us to be safe and not, you know, not make mistakes that would hurt us. And so I can appreciate that. And, but I think it can kind of create some some stresses and anxieties and in not kids like not wanting to like engage in that way because it's like, oh if I mess up then I'm gonna let them down.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's probably a need out is there if it's not out there yet, if anyone's listening, like there
0: yeah
1: a way for kids to learn to sew like sewing machines for kids. Yeah. There's probably some out there.
0: Yeah.
1: A course that's kid friendly.
0: You know, I was thinking of like creating one because I know certain places have it. Like, um, oh, I can't think of it right now. Urban Society, I think they're in New York, but they have like a whole program where kids can go after school and they learn how to sew and they like teach them how to do different projects. Like it's the coolest thing ever. Like, I'm like, oh, I wish that was local. But I'm like, well, I'm a teacher. I know how to work with kids. Like I think eventually I would like to have have something where I teach kids to sew and like parents don't come like you can't come (laughs) you cannot helicopter your kids you cannot come you have to drop your kid off and let me teach them like and maybe once the kids learn how to sew then we could do like a parent child or like caregiver child thing where they work on a project together but like like the kid has to come learn how to sew outside of the parent's eyeballs like because I think that's important like giving them the space to learn and be exactly who they are and not be worried about what their mom thinks of them or their dad or their grandma or their parent other parent you know it's like just come so and I really want to create that here so you
1: know it's interesting I never buy a lottery ticket but if I do which I did this time yeah it gives you the time and the chance to dream for a minute Mm-hmm. So I'm holding this ticket. I'm like, what would I do with 1.5? I would buy a building
0: yeah. and lots of sewing machines. Yeah. Sewing center. Yeah. <laughs> so- Legitimately like <laughs> we'll cross our fingers. Cause that would be so cool. I know. I like when it was like, so almost, I, I don't know if it was this much, but when it was really high, like a few, probably Probably five years ago now. But anyway, it was like really high before and it was like crazy. And my husband and I had bought a bunch of tickets, not a bunch, but some. Same thing. We were just like dreaming, like, okay, here's what we would do. Like, we have a plan in place, like, just in case and like know how we would handle it. And like, and yeah, like we both definitely have our like top tier. Like, if we had a bazillion dollars, like, this is the thing we would do. And yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. Like it does, it gives you the chance to dream. It's like the Willy Wonka golden ticket. Like you open that chocolate bar, just hoping that that golden ticket is in there because even just the knowledge that it's out there, it's like you have hope there's excitement yeah. and whew, I'm crossing my fingers. I really want you to win.
1: <laughs> yeah. so if I Open up a building with lots of machines then I you'll know that I won the lottery, but don't come after me.
0: I won't. You can just call me and I'll come be a teacher in your building. It's great.
1: Yay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I I, that, <laughs> that would be so fun. I honestly, that would be so fun. I have dreams of like what a space would be like if I had my own like building space. Cause right now we work out of my mom's house. So it's like, <laughs> she needs to be home and accessible for, Um, her brother lives with them and he's got special needs. And so she has to be like, not home all the time, but just like around and available to, to take care of his needs when, when he needs it. So anyway, he's, he's funny, but anyway, it's, it's just different. Like, and yeah, like think about like, okay, we're successful with what it is now and we feel good about what we're doing, which is great but if money wasn't a question, it was just like, what would we do? Yeah. It's fun to think about.
1: Yeah. And then you get that feeling of like joy, right? Mm -hmm. And then you think, well, what's preventing me from feeling that? And it's not necessarily those material things that you're thinking about money. It's like, I can be feeling this right now.
0: Nothing's preventing me. Yeah, but exactly.
1: Yeah. So, and it's a, interesting exercise like mm-hmm. yeah we're we're not trying to de- there's no joy shouldn't be delayed
0: yeah yeah
1: and, and yeah I don't want to be on any sort of soapbox or claim that I'm right and maybe this doesn't this probably doesn't apply to all situations but like try not to let your current situation delay you from feeling joy yeah if it can't if or I don't know how to say it right
0: yeah, no, I know what you mean, and I. have to be careful
1: how you say it. Yeah, well, and I think a blanket statement.
0: Yeah, well, and Brene Brown she calls it foreboding joy, and so, you know, she talks about that like, in a joyful moment, it's really easy to go, okay, now what's going to go wrong? Like, and you start like not letting yourself feel as joyful as maybe you could because you start thinking about, okay, well, I need to be prepared for when the other shoe drops and like something bad happens, and but if you really think about it, life is just a collection of teeny tiny moments. And so if you can stop and think, okay, in this moment, okay, everything's fine. And you can have joy in that moment because if you really look at like every little second that builds up, like usually the thing that is causing you stress hasn't even happened yet, or it happened already. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like if you're in this moment, exactly. Like everything's perfect. Like I'm perfect. You're perfect. Everything's perfect. And you don't have to think about anything beyond that. You know, I mean, that's ultimately to me, what meditation is, is just like sitting in that moment only. And, you know, when thoughts come, you just let them pass through and say, thank you for visiting me. And then you go back to just being in the moment. And that practice is so hard, but it's so valuable. And yeah. No matter what stage or what setting you're in, like you can do it, and just remember, like, okay, this is just a moment of of time, and you know, maybe at least for like when I was teaching, and I would get overwhelmed and stressed because I did not even know I was an introvert until I stopped teaching. Oh. And I like got a lot more solitude and was just with my parents, or just by myself, or just with my husband, like. was like oh that was like too much for my brain like and I get overstimulated in crowds and like as all as much as I love going to concerts and live music like it can be really overwhelming to me if it's like really crowded and people are being chaotic and so I will never go by myself you will never catch me at a live show by myself (laughs) and you know just stuff like like big cities like I've lived in Boise my whole life so oh I I'm used to this it's like very it's busier now just because a lot of people have moved here in the last few years but ultimately it still doesn't have that same big city feel I can go downtown by myself and feel fine because I'm not like elbowing my way through like hundreds and thousands of people crossing the streets at once or whatever it's like when there's like five other people on the sidewalk I'm like oh my god there's so many people I'm just kidding. But so just to like step away from that and realize like how overwhelming that was. And like, no wonder I was having such a hard time because my nervous system was like on high alert at all times. And you have to be on at all times when you're teaching because you never know what's going to happen. Like, it's so you're like making these like minute by minute, second by second decisions that like, I don't know where it was, but some like study brain study showed that like teachers make more and harder decisions than like brain surgeons do. Oh really? (laughs) Yes. I'm like, excuse me, then we should be getting paid like brain surgeons. Like what is happening right now? And that's why teachers leave so exhausted because we're constantly our brains are on overdrive all the time. And like stepping away from that and realizing how much I like to be home, how much I like to be with just like one or two people versus like a room full and having to deal with like different personalities. Like I love dealing you know our clients and whatever, but it's like I see them once a week, or you know maybe one person per day, sometimes two. But it's like so much more manageable than what yeah. I was dealing with. So
1: when it comes to socializing, I, I for one, I don't really stick with any sort of group or click. I'm mm. more of a free floater individual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get along with most everybody, yeah. but never I don't not, I won't say never, but I typically don't get invited to outings and stuff. So for the longest time, I, I feel, I feel left out, but like when I do go, it's like, yeah, I'm not really enjoying this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was the same way.
1: And then, so like, I, at one point I decided like, no, I'm not being left out. It's okay if I don't go and I'm choosing, like, I don't want to be a part of that. And then I don't miss it. Like, oh, (laughs) it's
0: just such a different flip yeah 100% like because I mean where my school was there was a restaurant right across the street and sometimes like a bunch of teachers would go after school and like get a snack or just go hang out and um and if I wasn't invited like at first like I would make me really sad like oh my gosh they don't want me around like not even realizing that it was just like word of mouth and whoever just happened to hear would just show up. And it wasn't like I couldn't have gone, but like nobody thought to really ask me either. And so I like kind of brought it up with my teaching partner and she was like, "You, it's just for anybody. Like anybody can go. I was like, well, I just didn't even know it was a thing. And she was like, oh, sorry. Like she wasn't really interested in like being friendly with me in the first place, but which is fine. Like I, but
1: make it your fault because they're like, well, you should have invited yourself. Yeah. Like you, know? you
0: should have just known to show up. And I'm like, how was I, you know, it was just anyway. So, but then I would like start to go. Cause I'm like, well, I have to go now because if I don't go, then I'm not one of the cool kids. And, you know, I would go and my husband would be like, you're going again. I'm like, yeah, everybody's going. And I eventually got to the point where like, I would go sometimes if I wanted to, but a lot of times I wouldn't. Cause I'm like, no, I want to go home. Like, I want to go see my husband. I want to go hang out with our kids and our cat. And, like, I just, I want to be home. And now
1: I think like the people who don't show up to like outside school events. Yeah. The cool ones because they have something better to do.
0: Right. I'm like, where are they? Like, they're too cool for this. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like, I'm with you. I think that mindset of just being like, I don't even really want to go anyway. So even if I was invited, I, if I'm honest with myself, I wouldn't want to go. And like, just owning your own thing and doing what you want to do. And I think, again, recovering people pleaser, it's like, it's a hard lesson to learn, but the more I'm honest with myself about situations and allow myself like space and time boundaries, yeah. the better I feel about who I am and what I'm doing. Cause I'm not like expending so much energy trying to be something that I don't even want to be.
1: Yeah. And these are the perfect lessons that we're learning. Cause I don't know if it's just life in general or adulthood for everybody, but it's, the quilting, running a business as a quilter and being a teacher, like it brings up a lot of things that I've never checked on for myself as an individual. So if something's like upsetting me or hitting a button, like I look inward first and like, why is it upsetting me? And then I challenge myself first and like that's, and I get over it or I work on it. Yeah. Maybe not get over
0: it. Sometimes (laughs) you can though. Sometimes it's
1: yeah, we're a work in progress. Yeah, guess we're aware. Yeah. So and yeah. we're just learning about ourselves more, and mm-hmm. I think that's just that's part of growing up. And like we're never going to, I don't know if we're subconsciously aiming to be in some sort of state of perfection, but it's never going to be that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like whatever makes us feel uncomfortable or upset in life, like there there will be something new when you right. get over, <laughs> right. Like we got to be comfortable with the discomfort.
0: Yes. Yes. That's like what my husband, and I always say, and he's actually in his master's program for counseling right now. So, you know, we're learning so much new stuff, but, um, it's that idea that you just have to be, you have to lean into the discomfort because if something's making you uncomfortable or something's upsetting you, like there's a reason. And it's not, it's not, like lean into it and hang on to it to build resentments, but lean into it to try to understand it. Like, why is this situation so upsetting to me? And it's not to blame the people that are involved. Like, sure. They have a hand in it, but like, I think people forget to look in their own, look at themselves in the mirror and say, what am I doing? How did I end up in this situation again? because it's not everybody else. Like you go wherever you go, there you are. So if you keep finding yourself in the same type of cycle or situation with people, like it's probably you, honey, like, (laughs) you know, and that's a hard lesson to learn. And it's that like extreme, taking extreme responsibility for stuff is like, you don't have to blame yourself or be like, oh, it's my fault necessarily. Like, yes, it is. But like, Okay, what are my behaviors that keep leading me to that that pattern? Those or what are my behavior patterns that keep leading me to these situations? And I think ultimately knowing that is like important for not just teaching but like dealing with everybody, whether you're in a business or you're just in social situations or with your family, like being able to look inward and 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 understand why things are, you know, making you feel a certain way like the easier is to show up in a different way to not allow those things to continue yeah so
1: wow so (laughs) much respect for your insight
0: oh thanks (laughs) (laughs) I like talk a big talk and then I'm like over here crying in the corner like I need to call my therapist but no it's I think too like we're never done. Like you said, we're always a work in progress and we can strive to be better always, but we're always moving forward. And so you can choose to try to hang on to the past or dig your heels in and make it harder for yourself. But if you just like take that mindset and I say, think it's the same with business too. I think some people struggle because they want things to be a certain way and they can't necessarily see how to get there or, and I know like you know working with my parents is great but sometimes it's challenging cuz i'm like how do i approach this as their daughter and as their business partner and like yeah
1: i don't know how you do that the <laughs> job for you that would take if i was ever in that position no way <laughs> yeah
0: it's it's been tricky but also like again i've had to look at myself and say how do i show up differently so that i don't keep feeling like i'm 14 when i'm in the room with them and like and it has made a lot of difference to, for me to say, okay, like I'm not 14, I'm 37. Like I'm an old lady. I can deal with this. Like, (laughs) and not that they're doing anything wrong or that I'm doing anything that's like so right that they need to change, but just being willing to speak up and say, no, my ideas have value. And I know what I'm talking about. I've learned a lot about business and I've learned a lot about the quilting universe and I've learned a lot about what I want this business to be and I have a vision and I would like to see it come to fruition. And so I think as business owners, like that vision and that willingness to step forward and say, no, this is what I want is important, but you have to work on all the other stuff behind the scenes to get to that point. Like we were saying, like to come into it expecting success or just acting as if you already are successful.
1: Yeah, it's not just the business. It's your you work on your mindset.
0: Mhm. Yeah. It's a lot of internal work that has to come with want running and being part of a successful business no matter what and and success is defined by you only. It's not from anybody else. So if you're meeting your goals and you're you're meeting your success criteria, then like that's all that matters, like, you know.
1: Yeah. Success criteria.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I say things sometimes, and I'm like, "Oh,
1: <laughs> hey, so who guitar is that behind you?"
0: Oh, my husband. He he played bass guitar. Like, I think he started playing in like mm, when he was working in Japan um, oh. as a contractor after he got out of the Air Force in like the late '90s, and then um he played for a while and then he got rid of his old bass and then we just he just recently bought this one it's used and I don't know he just likes to play around and oh cool yeah yeah he wasn't like when he first started playing like he was in a band like a cover band in in Japan and then when he moved back to the states he was in another band and then when he moved to Boise he was in another band here and then he was like I suck and so he quit and I'm like you don't suck you're just like don't spend all your time practicing so like that's all you know he still can like play and I was like picking songs I'm like okay find the tabs for this song and he'd like pull it up on YouTube and find it and then he would like play it for me
1: (laughs) Well, that's awesome
0: yeah he's like I gotta compete with sting because I've like I have loved sting and the police since I was like six five or six, oh. and you know stings the greatest bass player of all time so
1: my husband plays double bass in the philharmonic what and that's where we met oh. and apparently if you can play the double bass it's the same as electric bass oh so I play that
0: too I don't know I
1: don't know it's so different it's I think like cool and the fingerings are similar must be oh maybe yeah he that's- talks about his electric base days too <laughs> really <laughs> he doesn't have one so he can't oh. show me
0: <laughs> yeah you're like well I can just take you for your word that's all
1: <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs>
0: that's funny yeah yeah this is kind of like our little office like he brought it down here because uh with his like little mini amp you can't really hear it inside and he was like trying to play it late at night while I was sleeping and so he didn't want to wake me up <laughs> uh-huh. so this is like a little office we built into our garage oh cool yeah. yeah so it's like pretty well soundproofed and has all of our recording gear in here and just a space where we can do stuff <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Nice. yeah but well, anyway, uh, thank you for being on the show today. Like, I'm so glad we finally connected because we live like two miles from each other, probably. And we need we... to
1: get coffee or something. Someday. Yes.
0: hundred percent. Like I'm dead serious. I'm going to like, I'm going to message you and we can set that up. Cause I really want to meet in person and yeah. you can come see my studio and meet my long arm. And
1: <laughs> hey, what long arm do you have? We have
0: an APQS Millie 30.
1: APQS. Yeah. It's not handy quilter. I got a handy quilter.
0: Oh, cool.
1: Oh, we're Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I'm going to visit you.
0: Okay. Yeah. It'll be so fun. And like, I'll introduce you to everybody because I know a lot of quilters here, so it'll be great.
1: Oh, yeah. You're. Okay. You're my key in. Yes.
0: Love it! You're
1: I the, love it. Oh, <laughs> awesome! Thank you so much for meeting me, Amanda.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so, let's tell people where they can find you online if they don't already know.
1: Oh, I'm at www.sweetpotatoquilts.com, and I have Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. Everything is Sweet Potato
0: Quilts. Perfect. Okay, and I'll put links um, in the show notes so that people can get to you really easily. And um otherwise they can go check out your website and look at your art gallery socialite bundle and all your cool patterns and they can join your block of the month subscription so that they can get cool tools to make their own
1: quilts that's awesome yay and it's so nice talking to you
0: yeah you too we will talk soon in person
1: yes next time (laughs) yeah okay later (laughs) bye bye